Hello and welcome back to episode 6 of Trips M. Uh, this is the first recording of the new year for us here at Post 20. Um, I am trying something different now. I got some lighting in here now so you guys can see my face more clearly and I have my video camera. So I'm going to be recording all of these solo episodes I do with face cam. Maybe I can chop up some clips for you guys and put it on the social media so you guys can see what I'm talking about more clearly with all the tabs open and everything. We'll be scrolling through this in the next half hour or however long this episode is. Um, since it's a new year, we had New Year's shenanigans, so I hope you guys had a nice little New Year's party and all that with whatever you did with family, friends, whatnot. Stayed out of trouble, I hope. Um... But other than that, there was a lot of things that went on this weekend in the sports world. I'm going to be covering that a little bit. Um, uh, I guess overview of this episode is going to be how I normally do these things, not compared to last week's with uh, Seth guesting. We're going to recap some Prem, briefly go over that, save the juicy bits for Friday. We have a guest lined up for Friday now uh, to go over that with us. Uh, we're going to touch on the college football scene with all the bowl games recap in that. And then we're going to touch on the NFL now that the playoff picture is set in stone for this upcoming weekend. So to start it all off, I will be going over the gambling uh, for this past week since our last recording, which we recorded on Wednesday, went up on Thursday, I believe. Uh, so a lot went on. And I mean, as you can see, if you're seeing this, um, L, 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 there's another L, L. L, triple L, and another L, and I don't want to load more because you're going to see more of the same thing, more or less. So, um, I mean, basketball has been an enemy of mine recently. I shouldn't say recently, of all time, because anytime I touch NBA in particular, I get absolutely smacked in the face like a little punk, punk ass bitch. Um, the Celtics have been letting me down a lot recently. I've been touching rebounds and assists. Haven't really been touching spreads in that. Um, the Hawks let me down. Uh, the Mavericks have been nice to me. And, I mean, you scroll more here and there. It's more of the same. The Hawks screwing me. We have soccer there. Touched on that. Uh, double L's. And then the NFL yesterday we had. I got on this, the one of those boost bets the boost bets, which I like to call the sucker bets, and I fell for it. I went with the DK Metcalf to score, and Seahawks win. For the longest time, the Seahawks looked like they were going to lose, maybe not even score a touchdown. And they scored, I believe, three touchdowns in the fourth, and none of those went to DK. So, shocker there, double L's. And then uh, the last parlay there, I had the Titans over, which was a crazy game in itself. But uh, I bet on the Jets, and you know how that ended up. And then the Eagles, with an absolute shocker, they just absolutely self-imploded. It's not even that. It's just Doug Peterson. I don't know whether it's his decision to give up the game or it was a, a board behind this boardroom, behind-the-scenes executive move just to keep their place at the draft. Uh, we'll get to that with draft orders and who the Eagles potentially could take and should take, in my opinion. But uh, I guess touching on first... We had the match week 17 finish up for the Premier League. Uh, a lot of big results for teams, a lot of shocking ones, and some teams are falling apart. 
uh, recapping Evan and mine's picks, I believe I finished three and six on the pick'em, and Evan went four and five. Um, the West Ham Everton game, West Ham won Everton nil. It wasn't until the 86th minute by Thomas Suchek. You can see here, Everton, Everton controlled the game, but it was West Ham who took their opportunities. It really capitalized on it, and West Ham being 10th in the table now, joint points with Villa and, and Chelsea. Um, pretty good for them. This is probably the tightest the league's been in a long time at this period of the season. Right, like First place has 33 points, and you can go all the way down to 14th at 22. That's only an 11-point gap from 1st to 14th, which is insane. So a lot of these games, a lot of these teams are just struggling to pull away at the top. And whoever that first team ends up being is really going to be cruising up until May. And right now it's looking like that's United and City. So we'll see how the next few weeks play out. I know Man United and City play tomorrow, um, January 5th, in the semifinal for the FL Cup. So. That should be interesting to see. Man United's more rested than City. City finished their game Sunday against Chelsea. We'll touch on that in a second, but back to United. They got a big 2-1 win over Villa. Penalty from Fernandez and Martial scoring. Um, United controlled the game pretty much. Villa did have their chances. Villa's gone week in and week out with a pretty standard lineup. Um... They've hardly made any changes. The only changes they've really made is their center backs, but that was due to um, a suspension with Mings having a red card the previous week and Konza being with, um, I think he had COVID. He was sick or something. But other than that, Villa's played with the same same 11 guys every week starting. And United, on the other hand, has rotated in their midfield mainly, but... Eric Bailly has been stepping up in the defense now and taking part over taking over for Lindelof in these two last two matches and has done well. So it should be interesting to see what Ali decides or who Ali decides to start next match. Um, Spurs getting a three 0 win over Leeds. Evan and I thought Leeds were going to win this one, but Harry Kane and Son come back with a vengeance with goals and a late red card from Matt Doherty. Um, literally, if you look at the stats, Leeds dominated the possession game with 64%. Spurs with only 36, and that's how we've been saying they play. They let the other teams control the game, think, or at least think they control the game and the tempo, but as soon as they make a slight mistake, they absolutely burn you with the pace on the counterattack, and Mourinho's got that tactic down to a T. His stand, his usual tactic is to pack it in and just a defensive battle and then once they tire the other team out they'll just break on them because they're they have more fitness and it's really showing in the league now um this was the biggest the biggest blunder i've ever had in a pick i can't believe i said this last on last show, the last show thinking that sheffield united was going to be or get at least get their first win they looked absolutely horrendous in this game. Palace looked looked like a like a mid table to high end team in this. Uh, as a scored uh, contender for goal of the year, he came on as a sub for Schlupp, who got injured and scored 
uh, right before the half was a great individual goal, but Sheffield United are just absolutely putrid. They're just terrible to watch. They have nothing going for them. And the funny thing is, their manager Chris Wilder is on has been on their um, a total of ninety nine wins at the club since July. So they can't <laughs> they can't get him to a hundred wins, which is so sad. Um, I have no idea when they're gonna get their next win. <laughs> Hopefully, you would think it'd be this weekend in the FA Cup. They play a uh, Bristol Rovers, who are two to three leagues below them, but they'll probably lose that one too somehow. We'll have to wait and see. Um, Wolves Brighton getting a draw. This was a really interesting match. Um, I did say there was going to be a penalty in this game. There were two. And, and there was also an own goal. But it was an end in this game. You really had no idea who was going to win. Wolves took the early lead 3-1. And then Brighton had to come back and pull out a result for themselves. But Brighton's had a terrible home home record this year. They just can't get a result at home. Which is why they're struggling towards the bottom of the table. Arsenal are continuing their run with a 4-0 win over West Brom. They're cruising right now. Bakri Saka is looking like an absolute monster. Uh, you would think he's their main man over Aubameyang, who they, who they pay so much money. Same goes to Ozil, who routes on the bench. He just makes 300k a week and does nothing. So Arsenal looking pretty good moving forward. Leicester and Newcastle. We had Leicester get the win here. Uh, scraped it out 2-1 you, if you watched the match the last 20 minutes Newcastle could have gotten a draw out of this match but uh, Leicester hold on James Madison looked really nice same with Tillemans both their goals are pretty sweet um, they move on staying in that top four uh, Chelsea just this was one of the most abusive matches I've seen Man City absolutely just slammed their cock on, slammed their cock on Chelsea's forehead in this match. There was a, a 10 minute window in the first half where Man City just absolutely showed their class over Chelsea. Chelsea had I should say Chelsea's age really showed here and what I mean by that is the squad just looked they just couldn't cope with how Man City's style is. Man City team has been playing together for several years now. Mainly, or most of the players have been playing together now and know how each other plays, whereas the Chelsea guys are still relatively new to each other and aren't fully understanding of what each other's tendencies usually are. So Man City took, took control of that, even with Zach Steffen making his Premier League debut in goal due to Ederson having COVID. And the same thing with three or four other players for City that, that had COVID. So. Chelsea had a prime opportunity here to get points off City, but they couldn't get the job done, and now they dropped to ninth in the league. But they're still in it at the same time. They're only seven points off the first, but I don't think that's what Frank's goal is right now. I think his goal is top four. So if that's his goal, he really needs this next win over Fulham in in the next two weeks. So he has a long time to prepare Fulham. Their last two matches have been canceled due to COVID. So they haven't played a match in three weeks now, so they will be they'll have no excuse do for fitness or anything like that. So they'll be primed and ready for this London Derby match. And then the last match that just concluded about two hours ago. Um Southampton got a huge win over Liverpool, getting their first win over them in five years. And Danny Ings, the ex-Liverpool man, scored the winning goal. 
um, Liverpool dominated the game in possession, but similar to the Newcastle game last week, they had 17 shots, but only one on target. So they're getting the ball to the areas they need, but they're just not pulling the trigger. Guys are looking to sweat the ball across the ground for little tappets when they should just try to score, try to sh- just shoot on target and make that goalie make a take a chance, like just smash the ball at them and maybe a rebound will happen. But they keep trying to get the very easy tappets that don't come against these teams because they know what's coming. So they're playing very predictably, which is hard to see, but they still sit top of the table. So that should be interesting. But if we look at the table here, pretty much the same the only difference really is man city hops to fifth southampton moves up there arsenal's climbing other than that everything's pretty much the same so so hard to see chelsea keep dropping these points when they really need them now only one win in their last five so questions are being asked of frank we've spent 120 million dollars alone on two players that can't score goals which is a very poor investment right now, but it's a long season. They're fresh to the league, and they're young, so they're still. You can still give them a, give excuses for them, but you're you're coming to a point where every game matters, and every game does matter. But it's getting more and more important as the season goes on to secure those European spots. Uh, moving on now, I guess moving on to the college football scene. Um, a lot of big bowl games. Well, actually, all the bowl games have concluded except the championship now. Um, I guess we'll start head first. Ohio State getting a massive W over Clemson and the fuckboy Dabo. Um, if you didn't hear, hear before, like a couple of days before the game, Dabo came out with like a top 10 list of teams he ranked in the country. And Ohio State was ranked at 11. And then after the result of the of the game finished, he had to face those questions of why did you play Ohio State there? And then his reasoning was all those teams above him played at least ten games, and that was his reasoning. So I mean, I know what he meant. He definitely doesn't like Ohio State, like a lot of people do. Ohio State is very polarizing. You either love them or hate them, which is understandable. But he had to eat his words. And Trevor Lawrence, <laughs> there was a reporter after the game. He had his Zoom interviews with all the reporters, and one of the reporters had a hot mic and didn't realize it. <laughs> she said he needed to shave his mustache off, and he kind of shrugged it off like, what the fuck? <laughs> oh, it was just it was very pleasing to get that sweet revenge over them from the previous year with all those bullshit calls and the targeting. The targeting came back to this year with a Clemson guy getting ejected. It all came full circle. Um, Justin Fields had a Heisman caliber game, even though he's not in the, the finalists. He just he turned up at the wrong time, but the Heisman doesn't mean anything now. It's kind of, in my opinion, a jinx. If you win it, you, you usually don't do well in the NFL. Um, Kyler Murray's still trying to figure things out. Baker's in the playoffs now. Uh, we'll see how he does coming up this weekend against the, the Steelers. But um, I mean, back to Ohio State, Trey Sermon has absolutely turned it up the last three to four weeks after taking over for Master Teague in the backfield. This guy is running over everyone. He has two 300-yard games, and then he has 193 yards against Clemson. 
The guy's an absolute animal and was a steal from Oklahoma. Oh my god. And Olave had a great game there too, so all around is really good. We'll have to see how they do against Alabama. I know the line opened up at seven and a half. We'll see here. Yeah, it's still at seven and a half, but an over under seventy four and a half. So Vegas has this game be an absolute shootout, which would be awesome to see as a neutral, but I'd be shitting bricks if it was like that. Um, going to the end of the line but if it's anything like the Clemson game I'm all for it we'll have to wait and see but I think Ohio State can pull this out in a close one over Nick Saban and all those bastards down there Alabama um, I guess some other key games we had A&M pull out a big win over UNC they were the first team to get snubbed out of the the, the college football playoffs um, the game was looking close for a while and they eventually pulled it away in the fourth scored 24 points to North Carolina 7 so they probably would have gotten annihilated by Alabama, but they still won their bowl game. Um, Alabama didn't really get a convincing run over Notre Dame on the score line, but if you watch the game, Alabama controlled it. Uh, they Notre Dame just couldn't get points on the board to keep up with Bama. Bama let up in the end, which is um, nice to see as an Ohio State fan. So if they poured it on, then we'd be looking at a shootout, but. The fact they only put 31 up against Notre Dame is kind of concerning. Um, uh, and the other game I wanted to touch on, we had Cincinnati lose to Georgia by 21-24 to 24 score. Cincinnati should have won this game. They let themselves down. A lot of mis bad coaching decisions and play calls ended up ruining them. They just mishandled the clock and let Georgia get back into this game and win it. Um, and also, when you give up 14 unanswered points in the fourth quarter, that also helps your demise. So it shocked a lot of people, the non-Power 5 competing with the team like Georgia, a top SEC team. So they'll be back next year. They're looking like a solid program to face in the future. Uh, I guess our last topic here for this week, we got NFL. Uh, going over some some of the games and then looking at the playoff pictures to close. Uh, Vikings-Lions game, absolute steamer, bro. You would think this is an absolute shitter of a game. Turned out to be an absolute fucking shootout. 37-35 going in the Vikings' favor. Continuing the, the shittery of the Lions as a franchise, just they couldn't get it done. Matt Stafford looked great, but their defense just... Absolutely an anus. Um, one of the one of the headlines that came out of this game was Justin Jefferson ended up passing Randy Moss's rookie record of most receiving yards in a, in a rookie season. Absolute steal in the draft, going twenty two for them. Uh, he's a great partner to have with Adam Thielen after losing Diggs. So the Vikings are a young team; they'll look to bounce back next year. They have a lot of things to look forward to, I would say. The Lions, on the other hand, they they have a lot of problems that I can't really go into but because I don't want to keep you guys here for that long, but just the Vikings are absolutely terrible. But, I mean, the Eagles are there too. They're trying to figure their shit out, so they'll have to go back to the drawing board. Um, Other than that, we had the Bucks. There were a lot of high-scoring games, actually, this weekend. I mean, there were some games where the backups were in, but this Bucks falcon game was absolutely huge. Um, Godwin and Antonio Brown getting two touchdowns each and Brady throwing for for 399 yards 
the the Bucks are coming in hot into the playoffs, going up against Washington. Um, I believe the Bucks opened up at a seven and a half point favorites here, if I'm correct. I pull this up here. Oh, the lines bumped up to eight and a half. So a lot of these games, the the over unders are low, but the spreads are kind of high in some of these. So Tampa Bay in a half point favorites. I don't know about that. Washington's defense is sneaky good. Uh, they have a very good pass rush defense, so I think Tom Brady's going to be hitting the ground a little bit. But I think the Bucks should pull this out in a close one. I would drop that line to probably, if you want to be super safe, to two and a half. But I think you, if you really want, you can stretch that to six and a half. So it should be interesting there, but we'll have to wait and see. Uh, the Jets, like I said, they let me down. I took a plus three and a half over the Pats. Cam Newton played like an absolute G. Uh, playing his final game as a Patriot. He's not coming back next year with them, so Patriots are going to have to figure out their QB situation, but the Jets look like the normal Jets here, shockingly. I don't know how you can go from beating the Browns and the Rams to putting up an absolute shitter against the Patriots with how they are now. It's just pissing me off, but I'm not going to get too deep into it. Bills rolled the Dolphins. Tua looked like an absolute chump in this game, throwing three picks. Freaking, I don't know if there's talks of Tua being traded now, which I don't think they're going to do, but in, with the position they are in the draft now with the third overall pick, they could honestly get away with taking like a Justin Fields here, trading with the Jets. But that's a lot of speculation, and I think they'll have faith in Tua. It'll be interesting to see what happens, but the Bills are looking amazing. Even Matt Barkley, their backup QBs, throwing dimes in this game against a pretty decent Dolphins defense. But the Bills, I honestly think the Bills are going to beat the Chiefs, and we're going to see a Packers-Bills Super Bowl, which would be awesome to see. Oh, that would be hype as fuck. But I know Evan's a big Bills guy. A lot of people are Bills fans. I think the Bills are America's team. Everybody says the Cowboys are. I think that's old school. I think the Bills are America's team now. And the Bills Mafia is just so fun to watch. And it's a great, great, uh, great people up there. And they're just true fans of the sport and their team. So I'm rooting for them in the playoffs here. But they'll, they'll open up against the Colts, I believe. So that should be a very good, interesting match for them. Uh, moving on, the Browns almost sold and didn't make the playoffs. Uh, came down the very last play with a two-point conversion. They stopped against the Steelers with a lot of backups in there and guys out with COVID. So they'll get their rematch this time in Pittsburgh. I like the Browns in this game. I think that the Steelers are frauds. Um, early on, they were playing all these shit teams and getting wins, and then they had come up against actually decent teams, and they lose. One of those even being against the Washington football team. So. I would, I, my heart wants the Browns to win. So that's why I think my, my pick is skewed, but I think it's going to be how this game finished. It's going to be close. It's going to come, it's probably going to come down to the last drive. So I tilted it into the Browns' favor here. I really hope the Steelers lose. Uh, Giants Cowboys, this game ended in true NFC East fashion with a onside kick. Or no, not an onside kick. What was it? It was a punt return that Wayne Gallman... Oh no, I'm stupid. It was freaking 
it was a run play wing Gallman punched it out of his own hand and literally sat on it to where the ball almost went up his rectum um absolute true out in nfc east fashion the cowboys could have recovered and drove to win the game but the giants recover and put all their faith in the eagles hands which didn't turn out well i guess we'll hop to that game the the Washington football team win and punch their ticket to the playoffs to host the Buccaneers. Eagles, just so many issues. Doug Peterson makes the decision to pull Hurts in the fourth and puts Nate Suffield in to throw 32 yards and a pick. An absolute shitter. There's so many issues with the Eagles, it's insane. We have QB drama. We have cap space drama. We have coaching drama. We have GM problems. There's so many things that need to be reconfigured that's not going to be figured out in one year. So the next one to two seasons are going to probably be painful for the Eagles until things turn around. So we're going to have to fight through these times and wait for that next that next generations uh, or that next set of players and draft picks to get acclimated to the pros and gain chemistry in the locker room. So I don't know if Doug's going to be around for that long, but we're going to have to wait at least two to three seasons until things turn out better. Um, the Packers put the beat down on the Bears, locking up the number one spot. The Bears limp into the playoffs at the seventh seed. They'll host, they will travel to New Orleans and play the Saints, who beat down on the Panthers. Uh, should be interesting. This is probably going to be Drew Brees' last year, so if he wants to win another Super Bowl, this, Super Bowl, this is the time for them. So. It's gonna be hard to. It's gonna be hard, in my opinion, to see the Saints win it all. I don't know. I think they could slip up, not against the Bears, but in the next match, they'll probably come up against. Uh, the, well, they will. They'll come up against either Tampa or Seattle. Whoever wins out of those teams and um, the Rams, I think they'll slip up in the second round, but. Seattle got the win, like I said earlier, and then the Chiefs, with all their backups, lost to the Chargers. Chargers looked good to end the year, even though they fired Anthony Lynn. Um, Herbert broke the rookie record for passing touchdowns in a rookie season. I believe he ended on 32 or something like that, which is crazy because he didn't even play the first two games. Um, he's looking like a great pick for them to build all around, so the Chargers should be nice to watch the next couple seasons. Uh, Raiders in a high-scoring game, shockingly, against the Broncos, who usually hold teams. Uh, Broncos end 8-8. Eight and eight. They're, they're a very interesting team to watch. They're not a great team, but they have really nice players to see. Um, Nelson Aguilar, after leaving the Eagles, decides to play like an absolute G. Um, and they also have good young players there, like Ruggs and Josh, uh, Josh Jacobs. So They're a nice team to watch. The Broncos, on the other hand, they got a lot of issues. Um, but Quickly previewing these games, I'll just do the first round because I'm sure Friday me and Evan will go over them before the weekend starts. Um, obviously, the Chiefs and the Packers respectively get their buys in each conference. Uh, starting in the AFC, we have the Bills hosting the Colts. The spread right now has the Bills 6.5 point favorites over under 51.5. Um, I take the Bills here easy. The Bills offense looks incredible. Stefan Diggs has been probably the best trade for the Bills in a long time. Um, he's him and Josh Allen have been linking up so many times this year. I believe he leads the league in receiving touchdowns, if I'm not wrong. Um, let me look that up. 
game would spell. Um, but I mean, the Bills are so fun to watch that you always root for them. I already talked about the fans and that, but um, yeah, here we got Diggs, who oh, he leads the league in receiving yards. Sorry about that. Yeah, second, he's first, right above Travis Kelsey. But eight touchdowns for him, but he leads the league in receiving yards because Josh Hounds has an absolute cannon of an arm. And the Colts' defense isn't the best, so I think this is going to be a high-scoring game. I think it hits the over. I think the Bills put at least 30 on them. So I'd take the seven, the 6.5 there for them. Um, moving on, we have the Steelers-Browns. Like I said, I think the Browns will win this. Browns are 4.5-point dogs. I think they cover that. Uh, then we have the Titans uh, hosting the Ravens. I didn't even say that. I'll touch on that game. The Ravens took control of their game against the Bengals, 38-3. to The Ravens always shit on the Bengals. It's an easy lock there every week. The spread was 14, but they absolutely annihilated that. J.K. Dobbins absolutely took it to the house. Gave a nice little OH for the Cincinnati fans there. I'm sure they were happy about that. But Ravens are favorites here by three and a half. This was reversed last year where the, the Titans or I should say last year's playoffs, the Titans beat the Ravens here in Baltimore. Now the game's flipped. I think the Ravens get revenge here. They're playing absolutely great right now. Five straight wins. Their run game's absolutely incredible. Probably the best in the league. And I think three and a half, excuse me, I think three and a half is generous. I, I would honestly pump this up to six and a half because their defense plays pretty decent. And obviously Derrick Henry's a tough man to stop. He leads the league in and rushing yards back-to-back -back years leading the league in that category, which has been been rarely done. But I think the Ravens here three and a half is easy. If you want, punch it down to two and a half. I think it's going to be close. But um, I think there's going to be a lot of points in this game as well. This is the highest line of 54 and a half of all the wild card games, so I think it, it will hit the over there. Hopping over to the three NFC games, we have the Saints hosting the Bears. Saints open up at nine and a half point favorites. I think that is a lot. Um, the Bears' offense struggles though; they can't put up a lot of points. They have good weapons like Allen Robinson and their rookie receiver Darnell Mooney. He's looking good. Mitch isn't a very, or I should say, Matt Nagy does not let Mitch throw the ball a lot. He gives a lot of touches to David Montgomery. So I would say this is a low-scoring game. I think under forty-seven and a half is safe the spread is a lot um but if i had to pick i think the saints do win by 10 so that should be interesting uh seahawks hosting the rams uh seahawks open at four and a half favorites these two this is the third time these teams are going to play each other that's a it's a divisional battle this is the lowest over-under line of the week at 42 and a half. Um, it's in Seattle, but I don't know. I like the Rams' defense, but with Jared Goff and his inconsistencies, it's hard to say. And also with the Seahawks, their offense has slowed down over the last couple of weeks. Um, I think their formula is if the teams can figure out how to stop DK Metcalf and these bombs, they can lock them down. But Tyler Lockett is a huge asset for them, and I would say their main battle here is if Chris Carson and the run rushing game for Seahawks can't find themselves and establish themselves in this game, then they lose easy. I would take the Rams here plus four and a half. I think the road dog wins. And lastly, we have Washington 
hosting the Buccaneers. Buccaneers, like I said, opened at eight and a half, uh, over under forty five and a half. Um, the Washington football team's defense is pretty decent. I think they have one of the best pass defense, pass rush defenses in the league, and the the Bucks at times their offense can come out very slow. So if the first couple of drives Washington can stop Tampa, go three and out a couple of times, I think they can get some points on the board and keep the game pretty close. So I would honestly take a chance, even if Brady has all the weapons in the world. I know Mike Evans got hurt at, at the end of their week 17 game because he was going for the, the receiving record. He went seven straight seasons with a thousand yard receiving yard receiving seasons, but he still got hurt. So I think Washington cover this eight and a half. I think the Bucks win, but I think plus eight and a half is pretty nice for them. Okay, that concludes episode six of Trips M. Um, pretty standard episode, thirty minutes like that around that range. Uh, I did adjust the audio a little bit last night. I was monkeying with it for an hour or so. Uh, I was troubleshooting things, trying to figure out like little buzz noises and humming things. Uh, I texted Evan a couple of times to help me figure it out, and we figured it out together. But um, hopefully the 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 sound quality is a little bit crisper. Uh, you guys aren't hearing the keyboard and my mouse clicking as much, or if at all, that'd be great because I know all the other all the other episodes you guys can hear that stuff. But um, but yeah, that concludes. This week's episode of Trips M. You guys will probably hear Evan's episode tomorrow, I think. He's been releasing his episode on Tuesdays. So you should get an episode tomorrow, if not by Wednesday. And then we'll be back Friday. We'll have a guest coming on. You'll have to wait and see who that is. But until then, thank you guys so much for listening. Follow us at Post20Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Make sure you're listening and following our accounts on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Um, Other than that, we'll see you next time.